This is Mike Bartolomeo, pastor of Church for the Harvest in Alexandria, Minnesota. The Bible is the Word of God. Within its pages are revealed God's perfect will and plan for mankind, the answers to life's hardest questions, and instructions on how to live a victorious Christian life. I believe the following message can change your life if you will let it. Join us now as we share the Word of God today. We just thank you. We just thank you for your word, and I just humble myself before you, and I ask that you speak through me. Give to your people what they need here today, Holy Spirit, and pray that we'd be encouraged, we'd be challenged, that, Lord, that this would be a life-giving experience, and, Lord, that we would be more conformed to your image and what you've called us each to be. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen, amen. Looking at my notes here today, I cut my message in half. Well, I thought it'd be a roar, you know, yes, <laughs> because I think I have too much to say, so I'm just going to shrink it down a little bit here. Is that all right? Uh, yeah, some of you are thinking, hmm, deep down you're shouting, amen. This is uh, third week in our series, and we're talking about lessons from the eagles. You know, the Bible talks about eagles uh, uh, a number of times, and I've just kind of been fascinated about uh, eagles, and, and uh, I usually read each week a little bit about eagles facts, so let me just, just take a moment, just read some eagle facts. Once most of their wings and tail feathers are developed, the eaglets can finally leave the nest. First flights usually occur at 9 to 10 weeks of age and are preceded by vigorous exercising and flapping. When a male and female are in the same nest, the male may fledge first. Sometimes the adults will force the eaglets to fly. Take note of that. (laughs) When chicks leave the nest, they usually glide to a nearby tree or stump, returning to the nest tree frequently and continually to be fed by the adults. At first, the eaglets have difficulty landing on tree limbs. However, if they land on the ground, they need an open space to flap the wings to become airborne. While eaglets improve their landing and flying skills, they depend on their parents for food. The adults will bring food to where the eaglets are perched. Eaglets will stay close to the nest and nest tree during the first few weeks after fledging. Within one month after fledging, eaglets will soar and drift over the water. Wow. Deuteronomy chapter 32. Deuteronomy 32 has been one of our texts in verse 10. Uh, the scripture says that uh, I was talking about a song of Moses here in this chapter, and he writes, as he looks at an eagle's nest, and he, the, God inspires him, and he writes, as he said, he found him, Israel, in a desert, in a desert land, and in the howling waste of the wilderness, he encircled him. He cared for him. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. And I said, aren't you thankful that in your wilderness that God encircles you? Come on now. That he, he, he kept you. He protected you. Uh, when you couldn't keep it all together. How many remember seasons of that? Some of you thinking, I'm feeling that right now, Pastor. But God keeps us and, and, and he instructs us and he keeps us as the apple of his eye. And we, we talked about that in the next verses, verses 11 through 13 a little bit last week, and he says, as the eagle stirs up its nest and hovers over its young, he spreads his wings 
So this is like a metaphor. We know the Lord doesn't have wings, but we, we, we you know, God is, well, we don't know, you know, I haven't seen him. Uh, but wings, and he says, he spread his wings to catch them, carry them, kept them from falling. The Lord alone led him. No foreign God was with him. He made him ride in the heights of the earth that he might eat the produce of the fields, and he made him draw honey from the rock. And so we talked about that last week about how God will keep us from falling and that even though we fall and we stumble, the Lord is there and he's as a good God. Now, I want you to notice that there's a stirring up of the nest and then there's this new level of blessing. Moses wrote this text as a sermon to his congregation. It says that he made him fly high in the heights of the earth. Say this to me. Say, he made them fly high. So there's a time for each and every one of us with the grace and the gift of God. You know, I was thinking about this, and I'll probably touch on this here in a moment, but I heard that 87% of Christians do not know their spiritual gift. That disturbs me. You know, as an equipping church, you see our vision and mission statement. That's, I really feel that's my job. Primary job as a pastor is to equip the, the, the saints, to help them, help them discover, not be clerical Joel. How many know what clerical Joel is? Huh? Yeah, y'all know Cler- clerical Joe, especially up in the Midwest, is clerical Joe does everything. He wants everyone to phone call him. I hear some pastors that say, my, my phone rings 200 times a day, and they only have like 50 people. Hello, someone's not equipping others, amen? And so when my phone call calls, it's either, you know, someone connecting or it's a catastrophe. And I either have someone, law enforcement, someone saying, hey, Pastor Mike, you need to be aware of this. Amen? My job is to equip the saints that you would do the work of the ministry. But you think about that. 87%. You know, we're coming into 2020. And I just, I haven't talked to the staff about this. Forgive me, staff. But you know what? I want every single one in the church that's willing, that's willing that we could help you discover your gift by 2020. That, that I can have, I know this is just me. Just deal with me. I was born in 64. Help me. Uh, but, but this is me. I want to have like a chart down my hall to have all those the giver grace gifts. Come on now, hospitality people here, amen? How I many of there's numerous gifts in the Bible? There's teaching, there's preaching, there's ministering, there's serving, there's helping, there's musical gifts, there's, and I just want, I, I would love for our church that when people see you, they go, you know what? They are graced in this area, and that I know as a pastor. How many be willing to jump on board on that? Thank you. All right. So we're going to, let's remember that. Help me remember that. My wife's looking at me. Uh, You started this. Amen. But I just, I really, because people are frustrated in life because they don't know what their grace and gift is. and, and, And God has placed in the body each and every one of you with a grace and a gift. And here's the thing. We're going to talk about busting up the nest today so we get out and discover that gift and utilize it. Amen. How many with me say amen? So then let's just jump with me. We jump back to this passage in Job, Job chapter 29 here. And Job, he's, he's wishing that he could go back to the good old days. Now, when you understand what happened to Job, who wouldn't? Dear God, what he went through. He lost everything, and he was coming down to the point of even his own flesh and skin, and he could feel as any, more than any of us in the catastrophes we've had in our lives, Job is the summation of a destroyed life, seemingly. 
seemingly. He, everything, all his kids, gone, dead. Everything, only he had left was his wife. Cattle, everything was burned. House, everything lost. Then his physical body was afflicted. And they say that Job's affliction was anywhere from nine months to a year. Now, when I talk to some Christians and they say, oh, I'm going through Job's experience and it's been 15 years, uh, Job only spent, come on now, <laughs> nine months to a year in that and God turned that around. So how many of you know that we're not supposed to be constantly in warfare? Amen. God, well, you know, every constant warfare. You know, I'm look, I look for a day, and I, I really believe our church is coming to that. I'm really rambling right now. Uh, but I look for a day whenever it comes into church on a Sunday morning, and they're like, hallelujah. What can we do to help minister to others and not come to church? There's lions and bears all week. Let's see what this crazy Italian can do to help pick me up. <laughs> Amen. See, because what we do from... Sunday afternoon to Saturday night is going to determine how we are on Sunday morning. Come on now. Now, you may have worked late Saturday night, late shift, you're tired. I mean, hey, we get all that. You know what? I'm saying we need to be swinging from chandeliers. Thank God we don't have any of those. But, but we should have a fullness in our spirit, man, that we can, we can help minister to others. Now, catastrophe happens to all of us, tragedy, and we come in, and that's where we need to minister to others, amen? And to say, you know what? They're really going through it. They went through something. Man, they had this tremendous loss or an extraction, and we need to help and bless them. That's the body of Christ, amen? So Job, he's relating the good old days. He's in the midst of his suffering. I don't castigate that, but he says, oh, how I long. For the months gone by, for the days when God watched over me, when his lamp shone on my head and his light, and when I walked through darkness, oh, for the days when I was in my prime, when God's intimate friendship blessed my house. In other words, the Lord, he felt close to the Lord and his whole household. When the Almighty was still with me, he didn't think God was with him, but I mean the Lord was, right? He said, when God was still with me and my children were around me. Yes, amen, Job. My children were around me. Zach, Destiny, Mariah. Just had to shout that out to them. And my steps, it says, like, we're like butter. Everything is easy. Come on now. Remember that safe spot, the time in your life, you know, maybe you can look back. And we, we talked about that last week and in other words, he was saying, everything I touch, it turned to gold. And I made so much money at that time. And I was so blessed. I had my family, my wealth. And before he lost everything, I didn't even have my health. And I could get up every morning. And I was just, I, just, I was in my prime. The favor of God shined on me. I mean, when I walked into the community, people would see me afar and say, oh, that's, hey, that's a, that's a businessman, Job, over there. And where's he doing? Where's he walking? I'm going to go over and say hello to him. Hey, Mr. Job, how you doing, Mr. Job? Patting him on the back. Come on now. He had honor on him. All oh, that was stripped. Even his closest friends, they shunned him. Wow. Total humility the state that he was in. No honor. And he said, the favor of God shined on me like light. My steps were like butter. Actually, I said this, like that, that one translation in Hebrew means heavy cream. I knew heavy cream was in the Bible. I just eased into everything. He said, sales were great. Money was rolling in. There was no struggle. Everything I touched prospered. And then he goes on to say, and this is what I said. And then I said, I will die in my nest. And the Lord said, hmm, I heard that, Job. I heard that. In other words, I'll just stay here the rest of my life. I'm going to enjoy everything I built up to this point, and I'm going to enjoy it. 
enjoy it all. So in this text in Deuteronomy 32, one day Moses, you know, he, he, he sees all this, looks in the cleft in the rock, and he sees this mother eagle stirring up the nest, and he sees the eaglets, and they're being moved, and they're being shuffled around further and further out to the edge of the nest. And, and so we see that Moses, he begins to, to write this sermon about Israel, and this is what he says. He says, as an eagle stirs up the nest, so God will deal with, and that word Israel there, we know the children of Israel, like, oh, God did deal with Israel. No, I want you to just X that out, and I want to put your name in there. <laughs> Can we do that now? You don't have to say your name out loud. You know who you are. As an eagle stirs up the nest, so God will deal with Mike. Michael, my grandmother would say, but God will deal with us. He stirs up the nest. What are you saying, Pastor Mike? You know, <clears throat> when, when one commentator says, when the young eagles are strong enough to fly, but they show no inclination to do so, the mother bird will stir up the nest. That's where they get that, that phrase, to, to stir up the nest. Now, the problem that Moses saw in his congregation and I don't mean this to be a heavy, but just observation, is what I see in the body of Christ at large today. And sometimes even in our church, you know, in the years gone by, it, it, it was a point of contention. And, and this is just really, it just, it, it just agitates me is this. We have nesting syndrome. <laughs> we want to stay in the nest. We want to get out of the nest. Why? The nest is safe. We talked about nests. and <clears throat> One commentator says this. How few know how to, to use this world without abusing it. Care for our earthly comfort is cultivated to such an extent as to almost take away all hunger for spiritual things. Wow. See, that's, you know, the nest is made to be safe place. The nest is made to be a place where you're nurtured, you're grown, and you're strengthened. Can I get an amen? So the nest, a lot of times that we embark upon to build for ourselves and a family, one day, it can, it, can, it can become, I'm not saying in all in situations, but it can become a comfortable place, a place of security, which it's supposed to be, right? It's supposed to be. But it, what happens, I think, especially here in, in America, with so much resources and we have so much opportunity, then more so than in many other countries, we kind of think, hey, I just kick back now. Look at the kingdom that I've built. Such a, such a big nest. I mean, that kingdom is impenetrable. It's impenetrable. I mean, um, maybe I'm finally married now, or hey, I have a few kids, or hey, I don't need, really need to rock the boat, and you know, maybe, or I built this company of business and kind of worked myself up the ladder of success, and I fought to where I got to today, the freedoms that I have today, and absolutely, you really push, you push, and you're maybe at a place you feel, hey, I can chill, I can just chill. Got all my bases covered, building a nest where I don't need nobody. Hmm. I don't need anyone. I'm not financially dependent upon anyone. Actually, when I die, I'm going to die as a millionaire. I'm good to go. I'm covered. Come on, are you with me this morning? Or maybe, you know, we're going to get that house. You know, we like watching the construction things and houses, how they remodel. I mean, there's some real popular stuff, HGTV. And, but I noticed that some of them, these elaborate homes, are, and they don't even need to be elaborate or whatever, but the focus of the couple is all their whole life is just to build this house. Come on now. This nest, we're going to change this. We're going to change that. And, oh, we're going to redo the kitchen. Listen, if you need to redo your kitchen, do your kitchen over. Amen? God's not against that. But, but if your whole focus is your house, I would venture to say you have the wrong focus. 
You're the wrong focus. Amen? And, and so, you know, we don't say this stuff out loud. I mean, just hearing it, it just sounds ridiculous, sounds foolish, Pastor Mike. I mean, it's so self-centered. However, the reality is for millions of people, we have nesting syndrome. Nesting syndrome. What do you mean? You know, I've seen these nasty eagles nest, and I told you there was one on Highway 27 uh, a number of years back, bald eagle that were there, and someone set up cameras, and they were taking pictures, watching little baby eaglets, and it was a sight to see, and, and I've been out to Yellowstone, and, and uh, those you've traveled, maybe in Florida, there's a large population in, in, of, of bald eagles in, in Florida, and we said this, that Minnesota is number three in the country for, for, for eagles that are coming up, but you know, and I, I've seen these nests. They're huge. It takes time to build them. There's a lot of work. Time and sacrifice goes into building the nest. And they said one of the largest nests was like nine and a half feet in Florida, and it weighed close to three tons. Because they come back each year. If, the, if they've actually had the eaglets, you know, they, they, they made it out and they survived, they'll come back. They're real territorial. And, and they mate for life as, as eagles. And they'll come back and they'll add to the nest more. And so these nests can get really, really huge. And, and so once again, this is not a sermon about owning a home, keeping a home nice. Come on now. Amen. It's nothing about that, keeping your lawn mowed or shovel the snow or you know, we know it's coming. We're not talking about that. We're talking about our spiritual hunger. Are you awake this morning? Spiritual hunger. Our focus in life. What drives us when we get up every morning is, oh, I got to make more money. Oh, we got to face this or that. Oh, the people, they're just a mess. You know, I got to deal with all these issues. It's like, God, how could you use me today to make an impact in my world? Here I am, Lord. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. The nest, watch this, is only meant to be a temporal, transitional place for the babies. Isn't that right? Come on now, right? That's all it's meant to be, a a, a transitional place for the babies. I'm talking once again about our life focus, our life's focus. But here's the thing. The sad thing is many people, they begin to... They begin to continue to build and build their nest, and then they build some more, and then to a point that, that they never want to leave the nest, and they never want to venture out of the mean, cruel world, and out of their place of, of, of security and comfort from, from that mean world, you know? And let me just say this. This earth is not our permanent home. Just thought I'd throw that out there. You say, what do you mean, Pastor Mike? This doesn't mean we can't have nice nests, amen? But it's not our permanent home. Watch this. <clears throat> First uh, Chronicles 29, 15. We, have here, we, uh, we are here for, excuse me, Corinthians. We are only here for a moment. Visitors and strangers of the land of our ancestors were before us. Our days on earth are like a passing shadow gone. So soon without a trace, James says, it's like our life is like a vapor. It's gone. Hebrews 13, 14. For this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. There's so much more that God is wanting us to learn, to grow, to develop that can only happen here on this earth for there. Do you get that? So a lot of things you may not understand down here, you're going to have that aha understanding and so grateful that you came through that because now for what's up there. So we don't think about up there. We just think about here. It's here. Uh, this, is, this is reality. No, it's not. 
It's not. It's reality we live in right now, but there's a greater reality. Amen? It's a greater reality. Let me see how far I can get to here. For this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. You know, one of the most frustrating things in construction, me, and talking about just, you know, expanding your life without adding eternal stock, you know, focusing on the wrong thing. Oh, that frustrates me the most. This really frustrates me, okay? When I put all this effort into something, whether I build something or do something, and somebody comes by, whether it's an inspector or whatever, and goes, that's wrong. You did that wrong. So I really take a lot of time to search to read through the code book to make sure it's right but even still doing that sometimes it's wrong and you know what I got to do I got to rip it all out come on now is that frustrating any of you it's just like oh no problem let's just do it it bothers me I'm barely saved in those moments (laughs) okay now you understand what I'm talking about it's frustrating you know turns out spend all this time and (laughs) Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Friends, God's going to bust up your nest. Why? To teach us to fly. He will bust up our nest to teach us to fly because he sees something greater. And here's the thing. If God didn't stir up some people's nests, they would sink down into utter worldliness, one Bible commentator says. In other words, if things are not stirred up, we could just migrate into just carnality, you know, just fleshly, just worldliness, no spirit. Our spiritual hunger will dry, but it's, it's the busting up of the nest that causes us to move forward. And some of you right now, you may feel that your nest is being busted and you're kind of wondering, oh God, oh God, what's going on? Don't worry, the Lord will not allow you to be destroyed. He's doing something for your betterment. Can you say amen? But he busts up our nest, why? To teach us to fly. I want you to just sink in. What seems most cruel can become most beneficial in our life. Did you hear that? And if you don't learn that lesson, you'll misunderstand and think that God is a cruel God. You will. He's a mean God. That he's callous because he didn't answer that prayer for you to marry so-and-so. Found out later that five years later, you're so thankful you didn't marry that person. Amen? (laughs) God sees. Amen? He sees. I remember that too and I dated this girl and at the time I thought I'd marry her and she was kind of in a little bit in ministry and drama and all that and I thought was it and then she flicked me. You all know what that means? And I was like, oh, it was just uh, for two weeks it was just agonizing. It was just like, what's going on? I'm like, why God, you're cruel, you're mean. But you see, Rhonda was in my future. Come on now. And see, 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 I wouldn't have stayed in ministry if I married anyone but my wife. See, God says, I got something so much better for you. Hallelujah. But I couldn't see it. Amen. God sees. He's out for your best interest. Amen. See, here's the truth. When God is going to take you higher, he will bust up our earthly nest. Now, here's... Here's the thing. This mother eagle, when it comes that time, she busts up the nest. The, initially, the male, as they both work together, kind of the, as the past the courting time, it takes a couple months, two, three months, and, and they pick up all these sticks, everything. I mean, they get, it's like a science. I mean, they, they get certain sticks, and then they get certain grass. But then the, the male eagle will go out, and he'll find thorns. And these thorns, they will take and stick down in the nest that poke out of the nest so no intruders would come in. Aren't you thankful that God keeps you safe in that period? 
keeps the enemies out. And then they'll come and they'll get in that soft grass and even to the point they'll put in certain moss. And it's like, why? Because it makes it real comfortable and the mosquitoes will go away. <laughs> I mean, there's just certain things that, that they put in that just make this nest so comfortable for these babies. How many with me say amen? Some of you already know what I'm going. And so they do that, but then all of a sudden, <clears throat> gets to this point, uh, <clears throat> that it's time to bust up the nest. These birds are getting actually almost close to the size of the parents in just nine or ten weeks. And they can't fly. They don't, they have wings, but they don't know, you know, the, the male sometimes will kind of spread the wings out. They'll spread, yeah, daddy, that's nice. Where's the food, you know? And mom's like, it's time. It's time. I had enough of feeding all oh, your mom. Come on now. And starts busting up that nest. Listen, son, I love you, but at 38 in my basement, it's time to move on. Amen. Come on now. Oh, dear honey, sweetie. Uh, mommy, mommy, my food's cold. I'll heat that up again once I'm done folding your laundry and you're 40 years old. And come on now. Bust up the nest. God is for our spiritual development. And so that female, she begins to bust up that nest. You know what she does? All those thorns, they pull up and stick out. And so then the birds are going, <laughs> mommy, ow, mommy. Mommy, this hurts. Oh, mommy, you're so mean, mommy. So mean. Other mothers don't do. You're so mean, mommy, to bust up this nest. What are you doing? And now that that's happening, I can't stay in the middle. I've got to go closer to the edge. Why do you? That's scary. Did I ever tell you I hate heights? <laughs> that would be really scary. If I was a baby eagle, I would be going, I'm dying. I'm going to die. <laughs> But I don't know when I fall. There's something I have I never knew before. And the Bible talks about that, how she'll swoop down. And they'll go from tree to tree and branch to branch and, then, and even still feed them. But there even comes a time, too, we may get into this in weeks to come, that, that the mom just gets so tired of feeding them. And what happens is, is even though they've been to get out of the nest, they swoop, and it's like a 30-day period, and they come back to the nest, they keep coming back to the nest. She keeps feeding them for another month or so. Then she gets to the point of, I've had it. Come on now, moms. <laughs> it's time for you to come fly and move on. And that's what they do. Some even the next year, because they remember it was such a cold. This seems so cruel. Seems so cruel. Listen, if my kids are listening to me today, we will not push you away. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> but anyhow, for an eaglet, she knows that they got to go. They got to go. And some will come by even the next year and go, it's mommy and daddy's nest. And they'll go, hit the road. They won't let them in. They won't let them in. New batch is coming. Amen? What am I trying to say? God will bust up our nest. Why? Why is he doing this? Why is he busting up? Very, very quickly here. I'm going to conclude with this. Because, number one, if you stay in the nest, you'll not grow. Say that again. Say la. If you stay in the nest, you will not grow and develop spiritually. You'll be dwarfed. Something be wrong. Something's, something's not Right? You will not fulfill what you were truly created for if you stay in your nest. You will spiritually shrivel and wither away. And number two, I'll just end with this here. God is teaching us how to use the gifts that he has given us, but you cannot use them as long as you stay in the nest. Stand with me if you would, please. 
You cannot use them as long as you stay in the nest. This is why I talked about the spiritual gifts in every single one of us. You know, harvest is our desire. I feel my mandate is to be an equipping church, to equip the saints, the, the believers. Some of you think a saint. What does that mean? That means you brothers and sisters, and, and there's many of you that you're really not in the path. You're not even hungering or thirsting for God. It's just like, yeah, okay. goes right over your head. You know what? You have spiritual gifts. God has put something in your life, teenager, young man, young woman. God has placed something that you don't have to squander your whole life, wasted it, trying things, trying to find out what really matters in this life. Amen? Amen? Amen. <clears throat> So do you know what your spiritual gift is? You say, Pastor, I know. <clears throat> I just jotted down, and I think, and, and I don't mean this. I just, when I share this as any, in a haughty way, I just mean like, okay, over the years, just uh, observation. And here's what I think is interesting, too, is, is for what you may think that you have and what others think you have, sometimes there's a difference. I mean, you may think, well, I'm a, I'm a great preacher. The truth of the matter is that's not even on the radar, but you're really good in this or that. Come on now. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I, I have, a, I believe, a prophetic mantle of my life. And I, I serve and have been for the last 20 plus years in a pastor teaching, preaching, uh, you know, equipping role. And, and I, so, so I'm kind of comfortable in that. And, and I, I know that. But, but what is your gift? How are you using that gift? Well, my gift is just, you know, I just can just give me a shovel. I'll shovel the snow. Thank you for that, Don. Uh, you know, whatever. It doesn't seem like it matters. It matters when somebody slips and falls and gets hurt because it wasn't shoveled. Can I get an amen? And now everyone is up in arms because somebody got hurt, and we don't want that. Amen? Every gift matters. Every gift matters. Every head bowed, please. Years ago, uh, there's this theory they call a Maslow's hierarchy of needs. <clears throat> they had five stages of needs that every person needs. They need, <clears throat> they need sustenance. I mean, in other words, the first thing people look for if you don't have all these other things is you need security. Okay, there's the nest. You need safety. <clears throat> you need to grow. You need to develop. You get more hungry. Then there's connection, finding love, finding a spouse, getting married, having children, contribution. And then they had just esteem and identity, and that was kind of like the pinnacle when you got to that point. But actually, back in the 1970s, they actually added to this. They said, there's something missing. Say, so, well, there's this self-governance, autonomy, and freedom, significance, and purpose. So they added that to that, and you know what? That became a part of the American dream. In other words, anything you want in this life, if you scratch and fight hard enough, you can get. You want that house in Colorado at the ski slope? You want that, you know, you want that mansion on the seashore somewhere? And, you know, you want to make X amount of dollars or whatever? If you fight hard, sacrifice, family, whatever it is, you could, you could get those things. And you know what they found out is people that have those things, they're in those things, they're still lacking something. They added number eight, and it's this, transcendent needs. Wow. What does that mean? A person is motivated by values which transcend beyond their personal self. What does that mean? The only thing you and I can take with us is other people. 
It's other people. The impact on other people's lives, transcendence. And so they recognize the, wait a minute, that there's something that exists beyond the normal, just a physical level or experience in life. There's something that we all have innate in us that's called, they label the transcendence, but what it is, is the call and the gifts of God on each of your lives. That's when you begin to soar. You begin to soar. There's something they say even genetically that happens that releases endorphins in your life that when you're in that capacity, you feel so good. You think, I, I, I went on that missions trip. I gave sacrificially. I saved up money and I gave sacrificially for them to go or I, I helped with this. I served with that and there's just something that's there. You need to know God put that in your life. God put that in your life with every head bowed. He said, Pastor, that's what I want. That's what God's desire, I believe, is for everyone. Transcendence. He's called each and every one of us to impact other people's lives. That our life is not about just building our nest. Our life is not about our house, our car, our job, our vocation, our retirement fund. All all those things are important. But the priority, priority, as Joshua said, is for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Lord willing, next week we'll talk about that and, and, and with this, in light of this and even our own children and our family. So with every head bowed, is it, Pastor, I, I haven't even begun that. I need to get right with Jesus. This is, a, this is a great day. This is a great day for you to get right with the Lord. Maybe you're watching my television or listening to a podcast and you've fallen away and you just think, man, I've fallen so far. How could God even forgive me? And just, I messed up so much and I, I keep messing up. And you need to know that God's grace extends beyond your present situation. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to get right with God. If you would pray with me, it's a simple prayer, but it's a very costly prayer. It cost Christ his life on the cross. But he provided salvation to those who would receive it. You say, Pastor, I need to get right with Jesus. I want to start on this process. I want to start on this process. If that's you, let's pray together. Say to me, say, Jesus, I believe. Died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Come into my life. Save me. Fill me with your spirit. Today, I give you my life. Now take it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. If you meant that prayer, God meant it. We want to help develop you along the way, help equip you, help you discover the gift that God has placed in your heart. Thank you for joining us today in the ministry of God's Word. My prayer today is that you will experience a new revelation of who Christ is in you. Feel free to make as many copies of this message as you like. For more information about Church for the Harvest scheduled ministry times in meeting place, please visit us at churchfortheharvest.com or contact the church office at 320-759-1400. At Church for the Harvest, you belong.